HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast, brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you are into hunting, fishing, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Today on the podcast, I have with me Bree McQuaid, and Bree is the communications coordinator for 2% for Conservation. And really, uh, Bree and I get to have a great conversation. We've been in contact, uh, gosh, almost since she started with 2% uh, back in November of last year and um, just haven't been able to uh, get our schedules to line up until today. And it was a conversation that uh, certainly felt long overdue. Uh, We got to talk about really uh, quite a bit. Uh, We talk about, you know, how Bree kind of went down the path of communications, you know, what she was doing Prior to coming on board with 2%, uh, what her role looks like with 2%, um, and really the some of the big takeaways uh, that she's found um, in recent months with 2%, you know, the <clears throat> what, you know, what the outdoors looks like to her uh, growing up, growing up, excuse me, uh, in the Pacific Northwest uh, and now living in Southern California, uh, the difference is how she's able to, you know, just really appreciate all that the outdoors has to offer a recent uh she i mean we 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 cover a lot of really good stuff here and i would say that i think i think brie is just kind of scratching the surface of what the outdoors uh is and i the only reason i say that is 
you know, Bree doesn't come from uh, a hunting background or, or, or angling background. Um, while she certainly, you know, loves the outdoors and has spent an immense amount of time out there, uh, it's just a little bit different than, I guess, like I or even some of the guests that we've had on. So it was really great to hear her perspective and what it is that she loves about it, um, the types of things that she likes to do. And that's one of the great things about this podcast is, is being able to hear people's, um, you know, different experiences when it comes to the outdoors and, you know, what it means to them and, you know, kind of her moment uh, in time where things kind of clicked for her and she realized, um, you know, the importance. I mean, I think she always knew it, but uh, there was, and without giving too much away, I mean, we talk about when that kind of turning point was when, you know, the the conservation aspect of things uh, kind of kicked in. Um, Bree has a, a great love for visiting and exploring national parks. So we get to dive into that a little bit towards the end of the conversation some uh some parks that are on her bucket list and and some of her favorites as well um brie also shares a great a great story and experience about a recent fly fishing trip uh, that she just took as she's uh just wading into the waters no pun intended of uh fly fishing so it was it was really cool to hear about that experience as well uh all in all just a a great conversation with brie and for, for those listening, if you're seeing, you know, a lot of 2% posts uh, on social media and things like that, that is all Brie. And um, yeah, she's doing a fantastic job over there at 2%. And uh, I really enjoyed this conversation and, and look forward to getting her on here again in the future. So episode 149 with Brie McQuaid. Enjoy. Brie McQuaid, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Hi, Marcus. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I know I'm. we've been trying to do this, and we talked a little bit about it before we started recording, but we've been back and going back and forth for, goodness, months, I would say. And uh, we just haven't had our oh, schedules aligned. Because yes. um, I know when... Uh, well, I mean, Jared, him and I, for the most part, usually stay in fairly close contact. Um, and then after Calvin had left, there was a period of time in there where I don't know that he was kind of outwardly talking about the direction and who was going to kind of fill that void and, and take over her role. Uh, and then I know he got into the um, the process of searching someone out to 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 work on the communication side and the social media side of things. And yeah, I think I knew your name probably before you were actually like announced as, you know, as coming on with 2%. So um, no, I'm glad that we're that we're finally here. Yeah, it's awesome. It did take a little bit for onboarding. There was a lot of schedules uh, and and so many people were kind of out of reach, right? Like so many people were out in nature and hunting and doing all this stuff. And so it took a while for everybody to to get back into cell range, I think, yeah. for, for me to get onboarded finally. But yeah, I've been on since uh, November. Yeah, fast approaching a year. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how quickly that time goes by. Very fast. So Brie... I'm going to put you on the spot here, even sure. though I told you I wasn't going to yes. do that. Yes, here we go. But, <laughs> <laughs> so just tell the listeners a bit about yourself, You know what your background looks like, how you ended up working with 2% and kind of what that process looked like. Sure, sure. Uh, so gosh, where to start? Uh, I am from Seattle. And I think that saying that might share a lot about how I came into a place of wanting to work within nature and conservation. But I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm one of those people who 
if I could spend the entire year barefoot, I would. I just love being outside. In um, the rain, though, was a little bit harder than than I would like. So five years ago, I moved to Southern California. I guess it's six years now. I moved to Southern California for um, some other work opportunities at the time. And uh, it's a lot easier to be barefoot year round down yeah, here. For sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I love, uh, I just love being outside. I, since moving to California too, I've gotten a lot more opportunities to hike and camp and backpack and I think just as my kids got older, it just became so much more important to be outside and to teach them about our resources. Sure. Um, before I moved to California, I lived on a 20 acre farm at the base of Mount Rainier and mm. the hiking trails were like our backyard when we weren't tracing around the farm. I mean, it was, it was idyllic and to be able to raise my kids in that environment was, it's almost something you feel like, you would only read about or see in the movies. Yeah. Um, they would be out in the fields and I'd have to like shout for them to come in for dinner. Like it was that, that cliche and stereotypical, but um, it was incredible. And then, you know, we, we had a bunch of horses and we had a bunch of wild animals coming through the property a lot. We had a resident bald eagles nest on the farm that um, we actually, <laughs> We got to work with the Washington State Fish, I guess it was Fish and Wildlife. I can't remember the organization actually. Yeah, Fish and Game, Fish and Wildlife, yeah. Fish and game. There was a lot of construction going on in the area and it was threatening the the distance that could be within this eagle's nest. And so okay. we got to work, um, and by we I mean with my landlord, but um, you know, to ensure that that the buffer was preserved. And so the mm -hmm. kids got to be a part of that and witness that happening literally like, like we could see the nest. We would see this pair of eagles like flying in and out of it every day. And so to know that it was threatened to be able to talk with the state and, and ensure that they were able to be safe was, I think maybe like a turning point for me, like, Oh, this is really valuable for my kids to be paying attention to. This is something that's happening on a regular basis. Um, getting up into Mount Rainier and we literally would go hiking where you're walking along the rivers and you're seeing the salmon, you know, yeah. like they would geek out. And and that was, that was our nature. We would have elk come through the property um, coyotes on a regular basis. It was just, you know, our big wild backyard. Um, and so then when we moved to California, the environment changed drastically and yeah. it's now, um, <laughs> bears and, and mountain lions and we still have lots of coyotes, but um, it's, we don't live on a farm anymore. <laughs> so yeah. uh, the whole, the whole thing shifted and changed. So uh, I got a lot more focused on the national parks and getting them into these big, beautiful preserved environments so we could learn and, and really understand everything that was out there. And I think that, you know, through seeing all these different places, you know, got to teach them and, and just, it was fun. So we spent a lot of time outside, whether it's the beaches or the desert or the woods. Um, and it, I don't know, conservation is almost a no brainer when you're spending all this time outside. Yeah. And it's, you, you, I, you kind of touched on it there without, I think necessarily realizing it, but the, 
I feel like for a lot of people, and whether you grew up kind of in the outdoors um, or you were introduced to it later on in life, and when I say introduced to the outdoors, I mean, that could be hunting or fishing, or it could just be, you know, really appreciating nature and, you know, you spend a lot of time hiking or backpacking or things like that, just, you know, time in nature. There's always that, that turning point, like you, you, like you kind of mentioned there, that, that one kind of almost singular moment where you're like, where everything just clicks internally. You're like, I get it right? Like this, this all makes sense. Like all the things you, you kind of see from a distance, if you're not super tuned into things <clears throat> in terms of conservation, but all of a sudden, like now it all makes sense. And then for me, it was, it was actually, you know, having kids. Uh, it mm-hmm. was, you know, even though like I grew up in, in the, like, you know, my, my dad and my, my grandfather, like all, all big hunters, big fishermen, big, you know, big, I, I grew up in the outdoors, um, you know, in, you know, I, I grew up in a rural community uh, in Michigan here. So like, that was just, it was very commonplace for me, but like the, the conservation piece, like that, the side of like giving back and, and preserving things really took effect. Like when I had kids and when I really started to pay a lot closer of attention to, you know, my actions, to, I guess, uh, trying to give as much as I was taking from the land, I guess you could say. Um, so yeah, it's always interesting to hear like what it is for people. Like when was that moment when all of a sudden kind of the light bulb went off, I guess. And it's like, wow, I should really be paying closer attention to, to things that I'm doing or, you know, just having those conversations with your kids, right? Like trying to educate them as best as possible. And, you know, who knows, maybe, you know, your kids grow up to be a you know, wildlife biologist or, you know, the next great, you know, conservationist of North America or something like that. You just never know what's going to really interest them as they get older. I hope to just uh, ingrain recycling. Like, yes. let's start with, let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> Baby steps. Yeah. Yes, something. yes. Or growing tomato plants, right? Um, no, I, we, I think we can relate a lot about, I don't know. You don't want to get, I don't want to get too philosophical, but once when you have kids, you kind of have this responsibility to teach and mm-hmm. you want it to be preserved so that they can get it. And then their kids can get it and their kids, right. It's that age yeah. old or that time, that age, uh, timeless thing about just, you just want it to last forever. Cause it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause how great would it be? in you know, however long when, when your kids have kids, you become grandma and you guys can visit these same national parks that you took your kids to and, you know, things really come full circle and you can, you know, watch as, as your kids are passing along, you know, the same conversations, the same, you know, anecdotes about, you know, the, the national park that you're visiting about like, oh, you know, so-and-so, you know, visited this or founded this or, you know, the park was founded however many years ago. And like, you know, this is what it's known for, like to be able to see that, like, get kind of passed down a generation and that that love for the outdoors is 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 really cool for me and that's one of the things that I, I kind of love to hear people talk about whether they think it's boring or not like it's it's just something that that's really exciting to me for sure and it's it's so funny that you say that because sometimes I feel like is it boring like am I I could drone on and on about my favorite park or the parks I haven't been yet or growing vegetables you know and I don't know. Some people don't care. Right. But it, it is important. And even if it's just important to some of us, you know, it's better than nothing. Here on the average conservationist, we care about all of it. Good, good. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. You know, when I was leading up to coming on the show. And even when I started working for 2%, I really spent a lot of time around this word conservationist because that's a big, I feel like that's a big word. And I it feel is. like it's an intimidating word. And 
even talking to Jared this morning, I was like, I have to Google what conservationist means again. Am I a conservationist? I was having this massive imposter syndrome. Like, am I enough of a conservationist? Am I an average conservationist? What is a conservationist? <laughs> right. I was making myself nuts about this. And there's just such a big range of what we can do to be a conservationist. Mm -hmm. And I hope that that message gets through to like our kids or to our friends or whoever might be listening. Right. Like I, I, I sometimes second guess, like, am I doing enough to be a conservationist? Do I qualify? Do I count as one? Um, but yeah. the answer is yes. Yeah, absolutely. The answer is definitely yes. And I can see, you know, why people would feel that way, not just yourself, but I mean, we, you kind of look around the outdoor space and I know that, you know, you're, you know, kind of new to like the hunting and fishing side of things. Very, very. And you, you see a lot of these kind of public figures. Um, I don't want to say talking heads because that's that's not the right um, way to describe. But, you know, these these very public figures who have a really big platform that voice their opinions on conservation. Uh, you know, someone like Randy Newberg, for example. Mm -hmm. And he, I, I think that if we get into trying to compare ourselves to someone like Randy, who has, you know, just been, um, you know, a, really a leader. Uh, in, in terms of conservation, especially in recent years when when social media has become a, a lot more impactful uh, in the conservation space, uh, I, I feel like nine out of ten of us are probably going to fall short, right? Just because we're we're average people, right? Like we have day yeah. jobs, and you know, I think and, and Jared preaches this a lot, and he's he's said it numerous times on the podcast. He's like, uh, you know, conservation isn't a competition, right? You do what you can that. do, and and that's that's good enough. Right. Like if you see opportunities, take advantage of those, have discussions, because as a parent, when, you know, we, we do these little things, if we're, if we're out for a walk, if we're out for a hike and there's some trash on the ground, you pick it up. And if they say, you know, why? Right. Like that's like that. That's it's such a great question, because then you can really open things up and you can kind of you can kind of slow play the answer. Right. Like. Well, you know, garbage on the floor, on the ground is is bad for the environment. You know, an animal could eat it, an animal could get sick, um, you know, it could, you know, tarnish the the soil. You know, you, there's a lot of different answers. But then you can kind of take it one step further and you can kind of introduce the word conservation because it's, it's a very big word. And I think it's, for me, I didn't know what conservation was. I knew things I was supposed to do when I was outside, right? Like, leave things better than you found it, you know, mm -hmm. pick up trash, like all of these things, you know, don't disturb wild animals if if you can help it kind of mm -hmm. thing. And I didn't know that kind of all of these things together, like was conservation, uh, you know, planting trees. I was just like, oh, like we just planted trees. Like, okay. Like I didn't know that that was like an, you know, an act of conservation. And, and as you get older, you really start to kind of piece the puzzle together and, and get a much better uh, understanding of what it is. And, you know, conservation um, just has so many things, I guess, uh, acts that, that fall under that umbrella that everyone looks at it different. Everyone kind of participates different, um, and none are any better than the other. And mm -hmm. that's, that's what makes it such a beautiful thing is because you have people who don't hunt or don't fish, but are, you know, active conservationists in their own way, or you have people who do hunt and fish and, and that's kind of their way of um, being involved in conservation and, and, you know, <clears throat> herd management and things like that. So it's a, it's a very big and kind of scary word, but 
it, I think the more you kind of peel back the layers, um, it's something that everyone can be involved in. I fully agree. Fully. I was, um, I just started fly fishing actually. Oh. And I was just out this weekend and I, I was really excited and, you know, I think new fish, new fisherwoman zeal. I was like, what if I catch this bass? And what if I do this? And what if I have this beautiful cast? Like I could be in a movie with Brad Pitt. Right. <laughs> um, and I went to this new lake here near me called crystal lake. It's up Azusa Canyon and beautiful. Like I had to be up at uh, six because we're meeting at seven. Um, I, I got to do this program through Orvis, which was just incredible. And so we're meeting up there. I'm taking pictures along the way because everything is just so picturesque. There's nobody on the roads, right? It's it's so early. And I get up there and we, we're all meeting and we get our gear all tackled up or whatever. <laughs> See, I'm so new. I don't oh, even know. I'm good. tackling up and then <laughs> we hike to the lake and it's like this crystal clear lake reflection is incredible. And then we get to the water's edge and the amount of food and trash and garbage that was in this lake, just like the whole, my whole mood was like, what? Like, I can't even think about fishing right now. Like where, how are there even fish in this lake? Like, let alone that we're going to actually catch them. And how do you, how do you cast over this? tide of garbage sandwich remains and it was, it was like the most it was such a contrast to what you think about like you know we see these movies and we hear about people talking about this beautiful breathtaking nature and they're gonna go and enjoy it and and sometimes the reality is wow this this place needs a lot of work before we can enjoy it at that point and mm -hmm. i didn't catch a single thing there's tons of fish they just like, I think they just humored me by watching me fling this, <laughs> this popper into the, to the lake. But in hindsight, I actually wish that I had just spent my time with like a garbage bag. Like I would have felt maybe more productive. I mean, I get like, I was up there to learn it and I wanted to enjoy that experience and I had a blast. It was, it was a really good time. Um, but it just, it, there's two sides to this, right? Like, right. and then I I, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. Like, where's the education component? Like somebody's being taught that this isn't a problem or that this is okay. And like, right. Oh gosh. The, right. The puzzle is, is massive. And, um, I could go and clean up all that and, and make an impact that day. But I almost feel like, how can I make a bigger impact? Do I need to be like talking to children? Do I need to be, you know, can I volunteer in a different way? Um, and, and very quickly, it can be overwhelming and bigger than than ourselves. So I love that there's platforms like this where we can talk about all the different ways to to be mindful. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, that in, in hindsight, right, you can look at that as an opportunity, right? I mean, maybe yeah. you go back to uh, the team at Orvis or the team of people that you went out with and say, hey, you know, what we, you know, we were able to do last weekend was great with, you know, just learning about fly fishing and, and getting out there and seeing some beautiful area. But Hey, I noticed a lot of, you know, trash, like, would you guys be willing to like partner together? And, you know, we can just spend a morning out there and we can, you know, just walk shorelines with some trash bags and we can pick it up. And that way, the next time we bring a class out here, Hey, like this is now it's as pristine as kind of the, the lead up to it, right? Like everything oh, I is. I love this. Yes. I'm going to yeah. steal this idea. <laughs> Please do. Please yes. do. But then, but then that, I mean, you know, and then maybe instead of, you know, anglers who want to learn how to fly fish, right? You know, maybe adult onset fisher, you know, fishers, 
fishermen, fisherwomen, whichever, you know, maybe you, you get, you know, a younger class of people in, or you get, you know, the same group of people and they bring their kids now. So now you can kind of do it twofold. You know, you can spend three or four hours picking up trash. You can spend an hour or two talking about the basics of fly fishing and, you know, casting poppers out and trying to get fish to bite. Um, and just, yeah, make it, make it as educational and fun as possible. And I think that's, that's one of the big things I try to do with my kids now and in, in the outdoors is, is just make it fun, right? You know, yeah. Yeah, I understand picking up trash isn't always going to be fun, but if you can make a game out of it, I mean, you know how it is with kids, right? Like mm-hmm. whatever little hack you can do to keep their attention for that much longer, like it's it's a win all the way around. Oh, for sure. I mean, I can, my brain is already turning like we could put bags of trash on a fish scale, right? And whoever has the yeah. heaviest bag or something gets go. like an extra donut. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll do exactly. a lot for a second donut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> I will say so that you're just kind of like starting on this journey of fly fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, good luck because it is that rabbit hole gets deep real fast. Uh, it becomes it? very. What do I need it, to know? Oh, uh, I mean, I love fly fishing. I'm probably not the best person to ask that question to uh, because I'm still trying to figure stuff out from time to time. But it's just, it's one of those things that's so hard to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like just catching a fish is so rewarding sometimes. Um, and you're just, you're constantly learning because, you know, if you're, you know, fishing a lake or if you're fishing a river, like then you start to pay attention to, you know, the flies that, you know, the hatches that are going on. If you're, you know, trout fishing, for example. Um, so you're trying to, you know, best match your fly with the hatch that's going on. You start to read the river and try to figure out, okay, where there's some deeper holes, where fish might be hanging out. Um, yeah, it's just an ever, um, you're just always learning and it's, uh, it's super fun and very humbling. Oh, I could see the humbling part for sure. <laughs> At one point I had cast my line and, and it was somehow wrapped like twice around my body. And I was like, I don't know how to. We've all been there. Part. We've all been there. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, um, I'm so fortunate. I get to spend a bunch of time in Montana. And so I, you, I, I'm sure, you know, because of the fly fishing connection, but it's, it's world-class up there and it's, mm-hmm it's almost romanticized and it's like, I want to do that. And then the reality of it, like you're saying, it's really challenging. They, you know, the classes I was taking, they show you like a dozen flies and I can't even remember two, you know, and they're like, use this for this and this for that. And then when the water's like this and I'm like, Oh wow. I humbling. Yes. There's so much, (laughs) there's so much that goes into it, especially if you, if you're fortunate enough to, you know, I've, fished a ton on my own, but I've also had the opportunity to fish with some, some very knowledgeable guides over the years as well. And, you know, I'll go out there thinking that I have a good base, right? Like I can kind of speak the language. Like I understand what I'm doing. I know how to catch a fish. I know how to cast. Like, I feel like I have the basics covered, right? So you kind of get into the day and you're having these back and forth with the guide and, um, all of a sudden he starts saying stuff and I'm like, what is that? Like, I don't know what that is. Right. And (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's humbling all the way around, whether you're catching fish or not, like just the, the wealth of knowledge that, that some of these guys and gals have that have been guiding for, you know, 20, 30 years is, uh, it's remarkable. And sometimes I would almost just rather say, Hey, why don't you fish? I'll watch and I'll just ask questions when they come up. Right. And then we'll go from there. I feel this way too. I I feel like they have such a passion for it. I've met only three guides, but 
each one has specifics. Uh, I don't know if, if it's like tried and true or learned or wives tales or urban legends, but they mm-hmm. all have this, this very specific way that they believe is best and that has worked for them. And so as you're trying to learn, I mean, they could tell you 12 ways to skin a cat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Brie, how was it that you kind of found your way to 2%? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. It it surprised me that I was able to find it. And I was so excited once I did. So I have been working in communications for a very long time. I studied uh, communications and technical writing, actually, and worked for I worked in, in corporate for a while, and then took some time off to raise my kids. And then as I returned to the workspace, I went back into technical writing. And I was just kind of like, a worker, but I kept finding freelance projects and I, I kept aligning myself with sustainability minded businesses or businesses that were kind of wanting to do something bigger and different and better in the industries that they were in. Um, and I got kind of over the last five years, a crash course in what sustainability means today. And I've worked in several industries. That's the beauty of freelance. Like every client or every project is kind of an education in itself, but I've, I've really found that that was, it just resonated. It felt like it was meaningful work, even though the writing or the content creation, you know, can be kind of the same, the the skill is the same, but the way that you talk about certain things is different. And I had found a listing for this position uh, with 2% on LinkedIn, I believe. Uh, or indeed, I can't remember. But I had had a couple of conversations in the beginning with Jared. And we just really, we had these these conversations that didn't feel like interviews. It was just, it was great conversation about this and that. And I was, like I said, I've spent so much time in Montana. And there was, there was just good synergy about what 2% was doing and the, and yeah. the reasons why 2% existed. And um, I just instantly felt like this was a good fit for me. And even through the interview process, I I felt and I had told him and the board, you know, if this communications role is not right for me, I respect that. But please keep me in mind, because I want to be involved somehow. I, yeah. I, I don't have to work for you. I you know, but just please keep me in mind, because it's, there's something here, and it's just calling to me. And so it just felt good to know that this existed. And then the cherry on the top was that I get to be a part of it in a very meaningful way. Uh, You know, I work on primarily social media. I do a lot of website updates, uh, SEO work. I work with the business members and try to get their stories out there, whether it's through uh, their photos or the projects. I work a lot with their, um, with their teams to get blog posts put up so that we can continue to tell the story, working with conservation partners about, the needs of of the organizations as they're working to protect whatever it is they're working on right. you know, and they're raising funds and donations. So um, I think it was just really good fortune, but I want to think hopefully too, that it was just part of my path to align with something that is so meaningful. You know, 2% does amazing work and, and the business members that are part of it, it you know, sometimes it can be a big ask to to put money, uh, 
outside of your business into conservation and they do it. They do it so beautifully and so willingly. And, and it's, it's been fun to see and learn. I'm definitely, I'm learning so much every day. I am, I'm an outdoors person, but the game side of it is very new and different to me. Uh, I was raised with a fisher family. My grandpa was a commercial fisherman and, and my dad fished. My uncle was a hunter, but I was just outside of that sphere. And yeah. so now I feel like I'm, I'm really having to learn a lot about it, but I don't, um, you know, I don't question why people want to be outside and be part of, of, of these things. Yeah. It's <clears throat> 2% has a, does a really good job of, of making, uh, you know, businesses and individuals alike feel like they're part of something bigger than mm-hmm. than themselves uh, or or than their company. And I think that that's that's kind of the name of the game with conservation. Is you're you're looking at a much bigger picture. You're you know looking. You're kind of always looking two miles down the road. I guess you're not necessarily focused on what's what's right in front of you. And yeah, they do such a good job of that of making sure that businesses are connected or or being connected to um, causes that, you know, their company cares about, uh, that their, you know, individual members care about. And I think that's how, that's why, you know, the the business members have been able to make such a difference in conservation. Because one, um, they, well, I think the biggest thing is, is that they can align with things that they're, they're really passionate about, whether it's, you know, stone glacier or go hunt mm-hmm. or, you know, like eco car wash, like, you know, some college kids out of Wisconsin who has just this crazy entrepreneurial spirit and loves the outdoors, right? It's like, okay, like, it's just, it's really cool to see the different businesses, how they view conservation, what's important to them. And with 2%, like they give them a place to, to really kind of channel that, that money, that energy. Um, and th- that's how you become super effective with your dollars. And that's one of the things that 2% does such a great job of. I totally agree. And, and again, it's, it's been fun. And to see all the different businesses that are part of it, you know, it's not just hunting and fishing. It's businesses, not. Like you're saying, like car wash people, it's real estate businesses, um, the, the, list list goes is, on. the list is huge. I, I was just uh, reworking our our business members page to make it more <laughs> friendly to to find businesses because we've we've grown so much, right? Mm-hmm. There's anyone can be part of it, and like you're saying, you know, even personal pledge or uh, individuals can make the personal pledge too. It doesn't have to be a business. So I think that they've created a platform to be so welcoming and encompassing. It's pretty rad. Yeah, absolutely. So being new to kind of the the fish and game side of things and mm-hmm. of of conservation, has there been like any really eye opening moments for you, or or things that you've you've learned kind of about that side of the industry that you didn't really know or or were really aware of prior to to coming on board with two percent? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it. You know, hunting and fishing has been in my periphery, so it's not like it's so foreign to me. But I think the biggest thing that has come through in in the people that I've met and talked with is is really this this passion, and it exists beyond the animal or the mm-hmm. fish. I think that you could very easily um, 
like pigeonhole or stereotype who who these people are and i'm just i'm just learning everyone's got these great stories about you know why these why this pastime is important to them and it, it transcends like i said the animal it it's a love for the land or they grew up on a certain you know they grew up in a state and now all of a sudden they may not have access to certain places so they're just working really hard to conserve for not only their hunting and fishing goals but but to preserve that piece of land so that the next generation can, you know, it goes back to like what we were talking about with kind of raising families into it. It's, it's just this passion is it. And I guess I, I just, I just didn't realize like in today's modern society that it was so alive and well, that it's more than just, you know, bragging rights and having these beautiful pictures to show it's education too, about the animals. Um, you know, about the diseases that they're dealing with, about population control. Like it's, it's a big topic that I think um, it's, it's wonderful to see how people are, are really passionate about, about what they're doing and, and they're cautious and they care. It's intentional. Yeah. It's very intentional. That's a very, that's a very good way to put it. And yeah, that, I mean, even like, it's still kind of, weird for me to say like I operate in this space because I, you know, I have the podcast and I have the brand and whatnot, but the podcast has really allowed me to, to talk to a ton of different people, um, throughout the industry. And yeah, that's the, the passion is one thing that you kind of always come back to, right? Like it, it may be about something different, but it's hard to put your finger on it, but when you see it, you know, right? Like, and that's, you 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 kind of ask some of these these past or previous guests like some some you know very open ended questions right and like two minutes into their response or their answer like all of a sudden like you just see this like excitement and this joy like in in what they're talking about and it's like that's it right like that's like that's that's why you are doing what you're doing right it's it, it, it's very um, kind of enlightening and very cool for me to see when when someone like you you, you kind of you hit the right button, right? And you get them to talk about something that they're super passionate about and the detail. And then, you know, five minutes into their answer, like, oh, I, I'm sorry to ramble. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, you are good. Like, please ramble because you, you're dropping some some knowledge on people here. For sure. I love it when people get all excited and yeah. they, they, lose, they lose like the self-consciousness, right? It's just that raw excitement. And, um, and to see it exist in adults, I think, is pretty unique, right? It's, it's yeah. Sometimes we can be so guarded and, oh, should we say this? Should we say that? But, yeah, I can totally see that. It's it's fun to see that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> for just a few more things, and then I'll let you, I'll let you get out of here and, and get back to the rest of your day. Yeah. But, you know, what is, as, as someone who's, you know, still inside of a year uh, with 2%, you mm-hmm. know, what are you hoping that, you're able to kind of help 2% do, I mean, what are, I'm sure that, you know, you and Jared talk and the board talks and you guys have obviously goals as an organization, but what do you hope to really help drive forward with 2% and, and with your role there? Yeah, that's a big question. Uh, well, well, there's a lot of really cool stuff coming down the pike. Uh, so I guess just, you know, being part of, of what they've already been doing, they've established a really great base and a really great foundation. And as it's rapidly growing, there's these new initiatives um, 
that I'm excited that I get to be part of and share about across social. And, um, you know, we've got the media awards coming up. And so that'll be my first go with, with this project. And I, I'm super excited about it. We're looking for, uh, actually individual judges now who are willing to, to watch the films and, and listen to the podcasts and, and vote on that. So you'll be seeing that campaign come out here pretty soon. Um, we've got new application packets that are coming out that are a lot more like visually communicative. So I think that that's going to be exciting for our business members or or potential members. But one thing that I'm most excited about is in August is the community conservation day coming up where it's like taking a pledge over a weekend. It's going to be third weekend in August and, uh, groups across the globe will be able to, to unite on this about what they're doing in their home or their community about conserving and giving back. And so as these things are, are, are growing, you know, I get to, I get to be a part of sharing and spreading this word and, you know, community is huge, community is huge in all avenues, but in the conservation space, I think that we need each other and the accountability and the support. And yeah. Um, so I'm excited to be part of that coming up and it's, it's going to be a lot over the next few months. Uh, but hopefully it just, it builds more interest and more awareness and we just get more eyes and ears on, on what's going on and people want to talk about it or people want to be part of it. I think that would, that would be the cat's pajamas. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The <laughs> community conservation date, uh, that's a big one. It's one that I always enjoy. Um, because yeah, you can, you can pull people from, from all different areas. Um, you know, if you've maybe had some type of interaction through social, uh, or you've met someone at like a pint night or uh, a cleanup or something like that. And you guys can, um, you know, kind of come together and organize your own thing. Um, we did that, uh, two years ago. Um, we had a group of people, um, in Michigan here that came from some as far as three hours away. And I mean, we cleaned up a ton, uh, in this state game area. Uh, and it was just really cool. Like everyone was out there, like having a good time. Um, and I think of the maybe 15 or 20 people that participated maybe only three or four of them actually used that area so we had a bunch of people who weren't even going to benefit from from cleaning up this area um just participating and helping and yeah it was just it was a really great event and and really cool to see everyone just have a good time and you know and and make some positive change in the process i love hearing that i'm always blown away about how you know picking up garbage or doing a cleanup right that's that's work. But mm-hmm. you get a group of people together. You promise, you know, a couple of pints at the end of a night. People are coming three hours away to do it. Yeah. That's It's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it speaks to the the quality and the character of, of those individuals that, that are participating in that. You touched on it earlier, uh, and I meant to come back to it a little bit sooner, but I know you love your national parks. You've seen a bunch of them. Yes. Your favorite. I, it might be hard to say favorite. So your top two or three, and then what are what is one that's you know the bucket list that you have to get to um, that you just haven't been able to get to yet? Yes, thank you for talking national parks with me. Of now course. we're going to need another half hour. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I've been to a good amount, but all here on the west. Okay. So I part of me feels like maybe I should knock all these out before I I venture to the east, but um, I don't know. We'll see. But it's not hard to pick my favorite. It is Joshua Tree, Joshua Tree National Park. Um, I first went there about seven years ago. And 
I was instantly taken aback at the difference of this, this environment. It almost felt like it was out of this world. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very still, very, very calm, very quiet, very graphically pleasing <laughs> with all the boulders and the trees. It's just, it's a completely unique place. Um, I've been more times than I can remember. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've been there. It's only a 90 minute or about two hour drive for me. So okay. I, I go whenever I can. Um, but that being said, I do have, I, I mean, Matt Rainier is very near and dear to my of course, heart. Um, of course. I almost feel like that's a, that's like just a gimme because I, I grew up just seeing the mountain was out. And so I felt like, you know, the mountain was there all the time. Um, but the tops for me are, uh, it's so funny that this is coming up. So I was in Montana last week and I was accidentally there for opening day of Yellowstone National Park. And I was like, uh-huh. well, I'm in. <laughs> and I'd been through the park a couple of times and it's a beautiful park. It's not my favorite, but you know, we already, it, that's Joshua Tree. Um, but I understand why people love it and I understand why it's protected. But, you know, everybody talks about the bison and, I'd been skunked the first couple of times. And then when I went in just last week, it was snowing. Uh, I think two thirds of the park is still closed. It was not the picturesque expectation, Mm -hmm. but within, I think like three minutes, here comes like a half a dozen bison straight down the road at my car, you know, having to stop for this parade. And I was, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like, the respect and the appreciation and having to just get out of the way for these giant magical beasts. And then they were everywhere in the park. And I was, I was like, this must be why people just freaking love Yellowstone. Right. Um, And obviously some of the other things, Grand Prismatic Basin is, is one of my favorite spots and it's very different in the winter or spring when it's too um, steamy to actually see the colors. It's a totally different experience. So I, I do I do like Yellowstone quite a bit. Um, and Denali is another one of my favorites. I think because, again, the animals and the wildlife is so present and it makes you feel so small. And yeah. that this is not our home and we must tread lightly here and um, we must respect. I think the message is just louder in these places where the animals come out to make sure you're behaving, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're not, they're not keepers. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and, and we, we have to obey, we have to be respectful. Um, so those are definitely some of my favorites. Um, I, I would really like to get to the Everglades. I think that that's a good one. Um, yeah. Just seeing something completely different. I do yeah. love the ocean. Um, but you know, Florida and the entire Southeast is just something that I'm not very well versed in. And I want, you know, I want to see manatees and and crocs and I don't even know what everything there is to see over there, but I, I'm curious and I, I don't have anything similar to, to compare it to. So that would be tops on my list. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I didn't know one. I, I wasn't entirely sure, um, you know, with a lot of the different parks you had seen, or if it had been mostly West Coast, 
kind of, you know, in the mountains uh, west as well, how much yeah. you had actually seen out east. Uh, the Everglades is a really good answer because, yeah, it's completely unique to a lot of other national parks out there, especially um, on the West Coast or, you know, the Western United States. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, that would be yeah, just a total, total um, like 180 from what you're kind of used to experiencing uh, out West. So, no, that would be a very cool one. Yeah. And, and I don't want to put down the parks. I, my favorite purchase every year is to buy my parks pass. And then I'm like, okay, what am I going to cross off this year? And, uh, I, I do plan to get to Glacier cause I, I tend to only be up in Alaska or, uh, in Northern Montana when the park is closed. So I'm excited to get there this summer. Um, I've done, you know, Lassen and Crater Lake, but some of them, you know, like, it's, it's forests and it's lakes and it's streams. And, and I, I want to see like a different color water and I want to yeah. see, you know, something just different so animals. completely yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can appreciate that. Um, Brie, see, I told you this was going to be painless. Yeah. <laughs> you are very kind. Thank you. Um, yeah. Well, yes, no, podcasting is very new to me. No, you did great. And uh, again, I appreciate the time today. Uh, it's been great to actually get a chance to talk to you. Um, I definitely look forward to doing this again uh, in the future. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me on and um, everything that you're doing and helping support 2%. Awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an easy decision on my end to make. So thank you as well. And I uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. Well, thank you again to Bree for joining me today. Um, I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, Stone Glacier and Go Hunt, as well as 2% for Conservation. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And over there, you're going to see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where it's going to be only uh, positive conservation driven content that uh, they're sharing with you on a daily basis. Uh, so again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for conservation, you can look for them online on social medias or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Bree. Um, yeah, stick around. We're going to have more great stuff coming, uh, especially as we roll into the summer months here. So until next week, stay safe out there and remember that conservation starts with you. 